What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray, and we're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance, and we're talking about business, and I have a special guest for you guys today. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best and before we introduce today's guest, my man, Eric from Huntsville, Alabama, who do you have for our Black Men Sunday Spotlight? Yeah, thanks, Corey. Um, today's spotlight is going to focus on Clara Brown. Now, Clara Brown was a former enslaved woman from Virginia and Kentucky who received her freedom at age 56. She became a community leader, a philanthropist, and aided in the settlement of former slaves during the time of Colorado's gold rush. She's also known as the Angel of the Rockies and made her mark as Colorado's first black settler and a prosperous entrepreneur as a laundry and housing service owner by helping other former slaves and others from poverty. She was inducted into the Colorado Business Hall of Fame in January of 2022. And she also has a statue in her honor at the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. And again, this is Clara Brown, my spotlight for today. And Corey, back to you. All right, thank you, Eric, for that Black Men Sunday spotlight. Now let's go on to introduce today's guest. Before we introduce today's guest, we have to understand the terminology first. We have to understand what blurred means. We're going to understand what the word superfly nerd means. Just like me, this brother has a Bachelor of Science degree from FAMU in communications. I'm assuming it's in public relations because you're a public relations strategist. You know, I was on the broadcast journalism side. I was in Tucker Hall. I didn't get to see the new building and all that. This brother has a master degree in communications from UCF. Like I already said, this brother's a public relations professional. This brother was in the Orlando Business Journal's 40 under 40. This brother was getting it. This brother is a comic book creator. I mean, I can't think of everything, but this brother is an actor. He's a writer. He's a cartoonist. This I've seen this brother online. I'm like, wow, this brother had FAMU speaking on a board. So his brother's a big deal. So without further ado, Jalen Christie, welcome to Black Men Sundays, brother. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely. So let's go on and get started. Like I said, you're a, a public relations professional. So, you know, we're talking to brothers and we listen to brothers that are business owners, brothers that have turkey drives that, you know, say, listen, I have this great idea and I have money and I have this establishment where I can present it, but I don't know how to do a report for the media. You know, yeah. I don't know how to do a media release. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do those things. So from your point of view as a professional in that for brothers that have no media professionalism at all, but they're professionals in what they do, but they're saying, listen, how do how can I get the news? How can I get a magazine out? to promote my business. So if you can just give us some, some PR press release tips for us. Sure, sure. So it's really not that hard. You know, sometimes when it comes to business owners and entrepreneurs, you know, they already have the ingredients. They already have the formula for success. They just don't know where to start. So as a public relations practitioner, uh, that's where people like me come in. So I think the first thing is knowing your story all right there's a lot of uh there's a lot of talk now around storytelling i remember back in 2020 2019 storytelling was a buzzword but it is in fact something that should be valued and uh held in high regard all right so knowing what differentiates your company 
or your organization from your competitors, all right? And then determining how that story resonates with your target audience. Do you even know who your target audience is? I cannot tell you how many entrepreneurs and business owners have come up to me and have said, Jalen, 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 can you please get us on the cover of Forbes magazine? Or can you please land us an interview with entrepreneur for that matter, all right? But is your target audience reading Forbes? Is your target audience reading Entrepreneur? What is what is your goal, all right? Is it to gain clout? Is it to be seen as a thought leader or a subject matter expert? Or is it to simply raise revenue? I would think that if you're uh, if you're a local if you're a local business owner or if you're if your organization or your company is you know in central florida your target audience if you're helping central floridians would be in central florida therefore the publications that we would have to go after would be local publications or media outlets that are either viewed or read or listened to by that uh, particular audience. So that's where a PR strategist comes in, helping you to effectively determine your target audience, helping you to refine your messages, and then making sure that it gets out to uh, the individuals that matter, which will ultimately lead to um, increased sales for your business. Perfect. And for the brothers that say, okay, I have a target audience, and just FYI, you know, I know we're on Click Orlando, but you know, we worldwide, man. It's Black Men's Sundays. We're not just on them. So just, just FYI, just so you know, that's brothers in Ghana listening right now. Absolutely. But from, definitely. So my next question, we're gonna we're gonna stay on the PR side. We're gonna get to the comic because everyone's like, come on, what's up with the comic book? Why are you playing? Listen. You know, you know, I gotta take care of the business first. So let's get it. It's not, it's not a problem. I don't mind talking about whatever you throw at me. Oh, let's oh let's go. I love it because you know I'm the I'm the Allen Iverson. I might not even pass the mic tonight. So <laughs> you know what I mean. But so my next question is staying along the PR or the press release guidelines for the brothers that say, okay, listen, I have all the news media's email addresses. Yep. I know the who, what, when, where, why, the very basic press yep. release format, but what should be included in addition to the who, what, when, where, why? Like, should it be on a letterhead? Like, what advice would you give brothers that's never done this before that they're saying, listen, I'm about to have a shoe drive. I'm about <laughs> to have a turkey drive this year. Yeah. But I, I want to be able to not just send it to the media, but yeah. I want to make sure that they're actually going to take it serious and that my release looks professional. Absolutely. So I will say this, all right? So the game has changed, all right? It's 2023. So when I started out in public relations, I had my first PR job was over 10 years ago. And uh, press releases were something that many reporters, you know, held dear. Now in 2023, I kind of feel as though some reporters and a significant amount of producers are you know moving away from press releases and they're preferring pitches and what i mean by that is so you know back in the day you had your press release which is yes like you said it could very well be on letterhead pertaining to your business and it features a quote from the ceo or the president along with the basics who what when where and how and you're convincing the reporter to care and why they should take it seriously and why they should share with the public but what we've seen now as you fast forward 2023 attention spans have gotten increasingly shorter so some reporters like you to get straight to the point for example back in the day you could put that press release on letterhead and then email it out to reporters and producers and members of the media but as I matriculated through my public relations career, it got to a point where instead of attaching the press release, you would just copy and 
paste the press release into the body of the email because statistically speaking, reporters didn't want to click on an attachment anymore. Now what we're seeing is with the pitch, you get straight to the point. So it is, it is an introduction to who you are. That, that should be your first sentence. And then that second sentence is straight to the point. What it is that your organization is doing, what it is that you're doing, why it matters, how it resonates to the community, and why people should care. Um, and that's helped my clients out tremendously as we move forward. I still occasionally write press releases. And I think that if someone wants to do a press release, then by all means do so. But I think what's more important is knowing the right reporter and the right producer to send that press release or that pitch to. Because there are a lot of people that put together a great press release or a stellar pitch, and then they may send it to the wrong reporter. And what I mean by that is, if your business specializes in health, for example, you should not be emailing the business reporter. You should be looking for the health reporter. Or if you are putting on a concert, all right, or your organization is doing a food drive of sorts, all right, you should be looking for the reporter that specifically covers nonprofits or the lifestyle reporter. And sometimes what we've seen is some people don't take that extra step in doing the research. They'll just send it to any reporter that they come across, or they may send it to the general assignment desk, which is absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. But do your homework and do your research. So having that press release, having that pitch is great, but going a step further and finding the right reporter, the right producer, the person that will care, the person that that press release and pitch will resonate with goes miles and miles to help you for sure. Mm, I'm loving that free game you're giving, you know, as someone that works for the media, a lot of times when I see a press release, I mean, I work there, so it comes straight to my email, yeah. but a lot of them come straight to our assignment desk, so the fact that you said that, but it is nice to be able to have a producer or someone in-house, because then you can get it um, looked at a little quicker, just a little side note for the guys listening, because I know a lot of times I hear brothers say, I send stuff in, no one's even replying back but because they know yeah. me they'll send it to me then I send it in but I know just like you said I know who to send it to of course so. and then also too Corey if I may I want to add this quick trick this quick tidbit that may help um follow reporters on Twitter I tell all of my clients that I tell anyone that has PR questions for me that's like one of the first things I tell them Follow the reporters and the producers on their social media outlets, because many reporters and producers, they will tweet about what it is that they're covering. Some of them may even tweet about what it is that they're looking for specifically. And then some of these reporters, like I indicated, there may be a business reporter or a reporter that specifically covers nonprofits. You can see what's trending and you can see what they've written about previously and what they are currently writing about. If you can find a way to have your story or your organization or your pitch or your press release tie in to what they're writing about or what they've recently tweeted about, you will increase your chances of also being covered. So just throwing that tidbit out there as well. Remember, when it comes to public relations, it is a mutually beneficial relationship. So the reporter is, yes, your, 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 your goal is to, yes, have the reporter cover your story and your organization, but you're also helping the reporter out as well, because that is their job to bring those stories to life, to bring those stories to fruition. And even if you cannot get your story covered, let's say the reporter is working on something and you may know the person that they're looking for, or you may know the organization that you can put them in contact with. Like prove yourself as a valuable source. You'll also increase your chances of being covered in the future. So it's all about building relationships when it comes to public relations. How has your expertise in public relations helped when you know we're living in an age of social media, when you have the TikTok, 
you have Facebook, you have Instagram. How has that not just from a professional perspective, but from a personal level, how has that made you more of an influencer? Because as I see, you're an influencer and you're an inspirational speaker as well. So that is a good question, Corey. Um, so some people would argue that social media is a marketing tool, and that very well may be true. I'd like to counter argue and indicate that social media is a communications function. So, you know, my background is in communications, as you indicated earlier. I've got the master's degree in communication from UCF, but I did not study communication when I was at FAMU. I actually studied journalism when I was at FAMU. Um, but social media all works, you know, it, it, it all goes together. It's all part of one big system as related to communications. So to answer your question, I think that um, a lot of Fortune 500 companies, a lot of, well, anyone in, that owns a business needs to have a social media presence. So every single client that I have managed, if they're not on TikTok, they're on Instagram. If they're not on Instagram, they're on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook. And nine times out of 10, when they come to me for public relations support, social media is usually a part of the package. Different individuals use their social media, you know, in a vast multitude of ways, but most times it's communication, you know, letting their, uh, their followers know what's going on with the business, if they have any events coming up, if there's a special announcement. Usually if people can't get the information from your website, the next place that they are going to go is to your social media page. So making sure that your social media is always up to date and not always up to date, that's one, but two, making sure that the content that you're posting is uh, appealing to your target audience. So when it comes to public relations, yes, that is a component that I manage as well. Also keeps me on my toes. It's a lot of fun. And then when it's come to building my own brand um, as an influencer, I think, um, I think for me, being authentic has gone a long way for me. So I you know, I try to showcase, you know, as, as much as I am, you know, because I'm, 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 I'm always out and about. Like people know me as, you know, a blurred. I'm a card carrying blurred through and through, still read comic books to this day. I just turned 36 years old last week. I still watch Power Rangers. So, and that's something that I showcase on, you know, my Instagram page. And that's been good for me because I've been able to have a lot of my followers, you know, message me back and say, oh, wow, like I'm still in Power Rangers too, or I just saw the new Star Wars movie, or I'm a big James Bond fan. So that's created like a healthy dialogue for me on Instagram, while also being able to showcase, you know, even though, you know, I may be out here, you know, having fun with my friends and, you know, I'd be in these streets, core, I'd be in these streets. But, you know, the next post you may see, it may be of me giving, you know, a speech at a university or me accepting an award or uh, what have you. So I think it's finding that that blend, that nice balance, which is, it's worked for me thus far. But I think what it all boils down to is being your, uh, your authentic self, for sure. Yeah, because I was going to say when you said in those streets, and I was going to say thanks for the transition, because I was about to get into the comic book and that but thanks for transitioning from you kind of made it nice and easy but you okay. know because i because i'll you know i'm not gonna lie like maybe three four times a week as i'm going through my uh instagram i might see a post from you you know i've seen a couple uh during fam you homecoming where you were a speaker there i'm like wow that's that's kind of cool i wish mm -hmm. fam you would invite me invite me family you. <laughs> you know but i've also seen you in a library doing yeah. read-ins mm -hmm. and I'm like hold on is this brother in the library or is he in church because I mean the picture I'm seeing look like they catching a the holy ghost in there so I'm like listen we had to get this brother on black men Sunday baby you are funny you are so funny no I think um most of my friends most of my close friends they are privy to the fact that I uh I bore 
very, very easily, Corey. Um, so I am someone that I'm very extroverted. Very, all of my friends know I'm very extroverted. So I, uh, I, I, I love staying busy. I'm not someone that can stay on the couch for too long. Not that there's anything wrong with staying on the couch. I'm an advocate for getting your rest. I'm an advocate for getting your rest. But yeah, I'm, I'm probably hyper involved. I might need to slow down, Corey. To be honest with you, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Now I was gonna say, don't do that, man. Cause you know, I was kind of enjoying chilling on the couch on my days off. Then um, I started mentoring at a community center. I pull up trying to play ball like it's 05 again. But you know, I notice <laughs> every time, every time I go up and down my steps, my thighs are like, boy, you better sit your butt down. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah, man. So I feel you on that. So let's go on and get it going, man. You know, you're a comic book creator, stink yeah. bomb in the brain kids volume one. That's right. Yeah. I'm excited. Where did the, yeah. Where did the inspiration for that come from? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. So Stink Bomb Man and the Brain Kids Volume One has been a, uh, it's been a dream of mine since I was a child. So um, as I indicated earlier, I am a blurred, proud, proud blurred. And when I was a child, uh, Corey, there weren't a lot of superheroes that- Actually, hold on, hold on one sec. Because remember at the beginning, I said, we're going to have to do some defining- Yes. This, so you got to just you, you got to define blurred before you break that down. You're gonna <laughs> lose some people. So let's go. Listen, let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you. Thank you for uh, thank you for that. So blurred. Um, it is a term. It's a hybrid word which stands for black nerd. All right. So um, you know, it's something that's celebrated now by a lot of lot of black people. You know, it's cool now to be a blurred. When I was a kid, it wasn't it wasn't so cool. But uh, it's something that's you know heavily embraced now. So yes, I am a blurred, a black nerd. And when I was a child, there were not a lot of superheroes that looked like me, with the exception of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is something that I always say. Uh, Zach, the Black Ranger, nineteen ninety three, season one was my favorite Power Ranger. And then, uh, you know, LeVar Burton uh, from Reading Rainbow and Star Trek, he was the voice of Kwame uh, on Captain Planet, uh, the Black Planeteer from uh, Africa. And then aside from those two characters as a child, I really didn't have anyone else that I could identify with. I remember being a kid on the playground, Corey, when I was in elementary school. And I remember, you know, a few of the uh, few of my friends and I were playing on the playground. We were the X-Men and um, I wanted to be Cyclops. And I remember having a little white boy tell me that I could not be Cyclops because Cyclops is not black. Cyclops is white. And that might have been the moment where I was like, you know, what? let me go ahead and, you know, think of my own superheroes. So the superheroes that I created, Stink Bomb and the Brain Kids, the Brain Kids were created when I was in the first grade. Brittany and her brother, Jesse, Brittany and Jesse McBrilliant, uh, they have no superpowers, but they uh, save the day using science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And then uh, Stink Bomb Man is from the planet Stinkopolis. He is uh, an intergalactic peacekeeper. And instead of using his fists to solve problems, he uses stink bombs because he's a peacekeeper. So he's not trying to, you know, to inflict physical pain. But as a child, you know, these characters, you know, I created them, but they weren't played for seriousness. Like they were played for laughs, you know, that ultimately it's supposed to be comedic. And I would draw and write homemade comic books and write uh, short stories. And I would let my family members and my friends read them. And then as I got older, you know, those same family members and friends would always ask for, you know, more stories centered on those characters. And then I don't know, you know, one of my fraternity brothers, I'm a 
proud member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And one of my fraternity brothers told me that now would be the right time to uh, do something with those characters. So I decided to, to do it. And here we are today. Okay. So at what point did you decide, though, that I can make money off of this? Like, <laughs> that's, you know, because a lot of brothers have these phenomenal ideas. Yeah. But I, th I think the issue that I keep seeing in our community is the ideas stay in your brain. They don't yeah. execute. Like I was telling you in the message about a guy that had an idea that someone mm -hmm. else took. So mm -hmm. how so how how were you able to make this idea, make this childhood goal come to fruition and then be able to sell it, like have the confidence to be able to sell it? OK, so I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you. All right. Because we talking. We having a conversation. We talking. All this right. Black so Man Sunday, baby. Let's go. <laughs> That's right. Let's go. Let's go. So um, I think my aspiration was always to be um, a comic book writer and a comic book illustrator. And I did not initially pursue it because, you know, when you're growing up, sometimes you're taught that, you know, oh, that's not going to pay the bills. So you need to choose a real job. Hence the reason I studied journalism at Florida a and University. First of all, I loved all of my journalism teachers. I still have great relationships with many of my professors from FAMU. I rep FAMU all day, every day. Um, but that was the reason why I chose journalism. Because even though, you know, I was, I was a good writer, I wanted to write for column books, but I was still a good writer. So my parents encouraged me to pursue journalism, which I do not regret at all, um, because it certainly paid the bills. And then when I graduated, the economy wasn't doing well. So newspapers and magazines were going under. So I made the transition from journalism to public relations. And even though I've been very blessed in my public relations career, and I've been able to work with fantastic clients and forge different relationships with organizations and, you know, win awards and accolades, all that stuff has been all that stuff has been great. And I, I'm completely proud of myself. You know, God is good. God works in mysterious ways. But I would be lying to you if I told you that I was not a little depressed because at the end of the day, even though I'm doing these things, that's not where my passion is. That's not what I want to do at the end of the day. Like I really wanted to be into comic books. And I even had professors from FAMU that have watched my public relations career. And they've reached out to me during my career saying, Jalen, don't forget your dreams of your comic book. Don't put those on hold. You know, we see what you're doing from a PR standpoint. And yes, you're doing great. But remember when you were here at FAM, you wanted to be a comic book writer. So don't put your dreams on hold for too long, all right? So what happened was once the pandemic hit, and, you know, things started slowing down a little bit, you know, we received a little bit more free time, so to speak. Uh, I picked up, you know, my pencil and paper and got back to it. And with this first volume, Stink Bomb Man, The Brink is volume one. It's three stories in one, but two of those stories were stories that I had written when I was younger. So one of the short stories that's included in this first volume is a story that I wrote when I was 13. The only thing I did was update it for a 2023 audience. And then uh, one of the comic books, which is featured in volume one, is from an idea that I had when I was a 10th grader. And it was drawn years ago. The only thing that I went back and drew while I was in my 30s was the first portion of volume one. And that's it, you know, so it's using the vast majority of that comic book is using artwork that I illustrated years ago and a short story that I wrote years ago. So when it came to finding the confidence to publish it, I just kind of feel like, you know, you look at all of these wonderfully talented black people, like you've got 
You've got Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. You've got Issa Rae. You've got Quinta Brunson, who is now killing the game. And Issa Rae, I read Issa Rae's book a few years ago, and she was um, very frank regarding her, her journey from how she got into show business. And you look at where Quinta Brunson started out and where she's at now. So it just all came down to taking a chance, you know, praying about it, trusting God, and then stepping out uh, to do it. So even though I grew frustrated and a little, you know, a little melancholy regarding, you know, my lack of progress uh, with my comic book during my public relations career, I was able to look back, Corey, and see that, you know, God had been helping me the whole entire time. Because when it came time for me to um, self-publish my comic book, I now had made connections with graphic designers, those that worked in printing, those that could help me with, you know, paper quality, or I had forged fantastic relationships with reporters and members of the media. That way, when it came time for me to promote the book, they were able to step in and say, hey, Jalen, we've been waiting for this for years. So yes, whatever you need us to do to get the word out, we got you. So it all ended up working out um, to my advantage. But I think, you know, just taking a chance, praying about it, you know, putting your best foot forward, believing in yourself. I mean, I, I know all that sounds cliche, but at the end of the day, it really is the honest to God truth. So I released it uh, February 28th of this year, Stink by Man the Brink is volume one, and um, it's been doing well so far. I have, I have no complaints. I have no complaints. Okay. And where can I purchase it and how much? Yeah, so it is available on jalenchristie.com. That is J-A-Y-L-E-N-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E.com. So it's available on my website for purchase. Uh, $25, but you know, about $5 for shipping and handling. And then soon it will be available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com as well. But, you know, I would, you know, I would prefer, you know, you purchase from the website so your boy can get 100% of the proceeds, you know? So, um, yeah, but that's where it's currently available on my website for sure. Is it a good idea to put it on Amazon, to put it on other other platforms that are already established, or is it better to go through yourself? Sure. Well, I think that it depends on the person. Um, there are some self-published authors that would prefer to be on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million, and then there are some that make it exclusively on their website. I think that when it comes to working with someone like Amazon, you know, Amazon has reach, you know, they're they're global. So if you publish through Amazon, they can get you places that you may not necessarily be able to get yourself initially. All right. Just keep in mind that Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, they will take a percentage of sales, which rightfully so, that makes total sense. Whereas if you put it on your website, you're going to garner 100% of the proceeds. So my strategy was to launch it on my website first before moving it to uh, to Barnes and Noble and Amazon. So there's there's value in both. So and I've I've seen the value in both. So I think that uh, I think it all depends on the author. All depends on the person that wants to do it. I want to talk about the comic book for one last second. Sure, Which, sure. Now you're probably going to tell me I'm gonna have to read the comic book to get it because I get it when I've had plenty of authors on here that says you're gonna have to read the book but the question for you is uh because it is you know stink bomb and the brain kids mm -hmm. black mm -hmm. are we touching on any subjects that are you know because you said you updated it for 2023 so you know yeah. there's been a lot of been issues lot of in our community yeah. so do we touch on that in the comic book we do a little bit so here and I can talk about a little bit of it without 
you know, revealing uh, the plot. But yes, yeah, so Stink Bomb Man is is black. Uh, Jesse McBrilliant and Brittany McBrilliant, they are also black as well. Um, so, and they've always been black. When I was a kid, they were black. So they're still black now, all right? What I did in updating it for 2023 was I diversified their characters. So Brittany McBrilliant and Jesse McBrilliant, they attend James Baldwin High School. James Baldwin was also a prolific black writer, one of my favorite uh, writers but I diversify the students that are in attendance at James Baldwin High School. So for example, uh, Jesse's best friend Riley is white. Uh, Riley also happens to have two fathers, all right? Brittany's best friend Fatima is Muslim, all right? Jesse has a crush on Elle Yamamoto, a Japanese American girl, and her best friend Trish is of the disabled community. Also, Jesse and Brittany's grandfather, Dr. Beaumont McBrilliant, is a proud and open gay man who is helping his grandchildren save the day in the city of Princeton Bay. So I added that diversity component. And then in embracing diversity, I was also sure to um, display that there are also characters of different body types as well. So I was trying to make sure that everyone felt seen when they're uh, reading when they're reading the book. So that was something that was different from when I was a kid. Because when I was a kid, everyone was black. Everybody, everybody's black. <laughs> I was pro-black everything when I was a child. But you know, when I got older, I was like, I want to make sure that, you know, different people of different races, you know, that they see themselves on the, uh, on the pages as well. Uh, conversely, each of the antagonists, they don't really see themselves as supervillains. So each of the antagonists in each volume, um, they have something that they're trying to pursue, something that they're trying to accomplish that is related to something that is going on in the real world. So for example, um, Stink Bomb Man, the Brain Kids, they are fighting a face shifter in uh, the first volume, all right? And face shifter is after this device, uh, which gives everyone the ability to uh, look the same speak the same, you know, no differences whatsoever. I'm not gonna reveal the reason why he's after the device, but that is something that currently ties in, you know, to diversity, equity, inclusion. And then in the next issue, which I'm pinning now, um, the superheroes are working together to stop this villain named uh, Quatamica, who has the ability to go back in time. And the reason why Quatamica wants to go back in time is because her son, a uh, young black man, uh, was killed by a police officer. So she's trying to go back in time to prevent that from happening. But in her going back in time, she's stealing the life forces of, uh, the life energy rather, of all the individuals that live in Princeton Bay to power her time machine. So there's always a reason why the superheroes have to get involved to stop the antagonist. But to the antagonist way of thinking, they're like, uh, no, what I'm doing makes perfect sense. And I try to tie that into, you know, what's going on in the world today without beating the reader over the head with it, all right? So, so, you know, keep it light. I try to keep it a little light, but I do want it to be like, I, I want my readers to check it out when they're like, they're like, oh, I see what Jalen is doing. Oh, mm, yep, mm, yep, this did happen. Yep, mm, yep, that's going on in the world right now. So that's what I'm trying to do, Corey, if that makes sense. Wow, no, I'm impressed. Whoa, I wasn't ready for that, but hey, I knew I, I knew I, we were gonna touch on something because I'm like, okay, comic book 2023, yeah. you, it's hard to just, you know, say he jumped over the, the hill and, you know, <laughs> right. drank some high C orange yeah. juice. Like it's, uh -huh. it's, it's more than that. But before I let you go, man, because like, like I said, I've been hogging the mic. Hey, 
Eric, y'all have any questions for this talented brother right here? Like I said, I'm on the road, so excuse any uh, sound issues if there are any. I do have a question, so I'm going to take it back. You were talking about um, you know, some of the uh, public relations stuff you were doing, mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted to, to, to kind of tie that into um, just the message of generational wealth. You know, we, we, we made this show just to kind of send the message of generational wealth to, to make that message a little bit more widespread as we go along. And so I'm wondering, um, what do you see as we as we look uh, as we look into society and we see uh, as you observe that you know people's attention spans are getting shorter, and so your messaging has to be more concise. Do you see the message of the importance of generational wealth building um, penetrating? Do you see that being a, a message that's penetrating? And if and and how could it be improved? Like how can we do a better job of maybe creating? a more succinct, more powerful message about generational wealth? Sure. Okay, that's, that's a good question. Uh, so I actually think that the message regarding generational wealth is something that's not going to go away anytime soon. I think it's going to be something that continues to be important and something that continues to resonate with people, especially uh, the Black community. I think it's going to be, I think that will forever be a topic of interest. It will always continue to be trending. Uh, so when it comes to getting the word out about that, I don't think that you have to worry about there being any interest. Now, when it comes to um, the ways in which people will digest that, I don't know if you'll be able to do, you know, like a full-fledged think piece on it. You know, some people, some may find that interesting for sure. But when you look at different demographics, what's, what statistics are now showing us is that older individuals still prefer to get that newspaper and sit down on a Sunday morning and read it from start to finish. Whereas younger individuals prefer getting their news from podcasts or their news from blogs or micro blogs, for example, blog meeting video blog, all right? And then there are some individuals, so I'm a millennial, so what's the one that comes after me? Gen X, is it Gen X that comes after, Gen Z comes after millennials, I believe? after millennials, yeah, Gen Z. All right, that generation they prefer, you know, micro snippets on, you know, TikTok and things of that nature. So you got to give it to them fast. But I don't think that generational wealth will ever be a topic that you know goes away completely. You just have to adapt pertaining to the generation. So I know that when I'm handling public relations for my clients, once I learn who their target audience is, I tailor the message to that audience. So for example, if one of my clients, let's say I have, let's say I have um, a nonprofit. Back in the day, I used to work for the Salvation Army of Orlando. That was the very first public relations uh, job that I ever had in my career, all right? Uh, the Salvation Army got the vast majority of its funding from older individuals. So if that's the case, if I'm using, utilizing that knowledge, then I'm not utilizing, I'm not using social media to get the word out about what the Salvation Army is in need of. I'm going to newspapers because I know that statistics have shown me that older individuals still read the newspaper or that older individuals prefer to sit down in the morning and watch the local news or watch the national news before they start their day. So I'm going after, you know, television stations and newspapers, all right? Conversely, I had another client which was an amusement park, a small, very small amusement park. Um, They were trying to appeal to a younger demographic because they saw that their attendance was starting to die down. So I wasn't going after newspapers. The game changed. My strategy changed, all right? So now I'm going after radio stations. I'm going after bloggers. I'm going after podcasters. There was even an event that I held at um, this uh, small theme park where we invited 
bloggers there for a day to just blog about it because those blog those bloggers happened to be influencers and they had significant social media followings, all right? But all of that stuff boils down to knowing who your target audience is. And once you know who your target audience is, that's when you're able to, uh, to tailor the message. There are some topics that in a few years, they will not be, you know, they won't, some people won't find them interesting anymore. I'm gonna go on record to say this, after the events of 2020, diversity, equity, and inclusion became all the rage. Everybody in their mom was talking about DEI. All right. All the corporations, all the organizations needed a DEI person, a DEI component, a DEI department. You fast forward to 2023, those same corporations that have made these promises concerning diversity, equity, inclusion, they are now getting rid of their DEI departments. They're laying off their DEI teams and their DEI executives and specialists. All right. Because that's no longer trending anymore. That doesn't, that doesn't. That doesn't change the fact that diversity, equity, and inclusion should not be important. DEI should continue to be important. It's just no longer a hot topic. And this is this is something that always happens when topics start to fade away. They start to move on to the next topic. All right. But when it comes to generational wealth, I don't think that will ever be a topic that goes away because it's something that continues to matter. People are always going to need financial advice, especially in the Black community. So I'm I'm a advocate for it. I, myself, quite frankly, I'm a public relations person. I'm a creative person, so I'm not really good with finances. But I know my line brother, my fraternity brother, Carlin Johnson, was on here a few weeks ago. He is the finance expert. So whenever I have a finance question, I usually go to Carlin uh, to help me out with that. No, it does, man. That was a, that was a, obviously, that was a really comprehensive answer, but but definitely answers the question. Um, yeah, definitely, you know, uh, something that we endeavor to do as we as we work on this is is, is try to make sure that we're get, that we have a, a audience target audience that we want to get our message out to and make sure that we're in the proper channels um to get that message to them in the in, in the right way um flip the most for a minute over the um over to the uh over to the comic book industry so so again like looking at the comic book industry uh what are you seeing in the comics you know uh you know for those of us familiar with it we know that that the comic book industry has long been dominated by, you know, uh, Marvel and DC. Yeah. Um, what are you What are you looking at as you as, as a as I guess like an indie artist? As what is the indie market looking at? And is there, uh, you know, what are the lanes for like um, opportunities and in, into breaking into that market, uh, especially as a minority? Sure. What's the, uh, what, put it, and what's the demand for uh, for for minority and diverse stories? Yeah, so what I will say is that the indie uh, market as pertaining to comic books have come leaps and bounds uh, since I was a child. So uh, I know that I, I referenced um, Childish Gambino, Donald Glover earlier. He was asked recently, someone asked him, um, how, how, do I, how do I break into like the, the movie world? I wanna make movies, I wanna, be, I wanna create my own television show. Like how do, how do I do it? And Donald Glover responded and said, you know, it's easy. The game has changed. You have an iPhone now. You can make movies on, on your phone. So it's not as hard as it used to be, you know, 20, 30 years ago. The same applies to the comic book industry. So yes, comic book industry continues to be dominated by DC and Marvel. And I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. But there are other publishers such as Boom Studios, for example, or uh, TKO, TKO, for example, those are two publications that specialize in independent artists, independent comic books. And then there are some people that are, you know, doing it themselves and are publishing it on their website. 
even though, you know, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion is a topic that, you know, may not necessarily be embraced by corporations anymore. We're starting to see that go down. But in the creative world, there is still a demand for uh, diverse characters. And you've even seen that with DC and Marvel introducing more and more black and brown characters. And we've had the success of Black Panther recently. And then Marvel just launched the Miss Marvel TV series on uh, Disney Plus, which is a superhero of color. So that demand is still there. And um, I think that, uh, you know, if, if I ever had um, doubts about it, I can tell you this, when I released my comic book in Black History Month of this year, I think I had had modest expectations. You know, I knew I was hopeful that it would do well, keeping my fingers crossed. But I gotta tell you, like once I released it, there were people that I didn't even know that I'd never even met that was reaching out to me saying, Jalen, how can I buy your comic book? I wanna share this with my kid, I wanna share this with my child, you know? And that proved to me that the, the, that the demand was there. I spoke at a school back in um, February. I spoke at Audubon Park um, K through eight back in February. And um, I showed them a presentation pertaining to my comic book, which features, you know, those three black characters. And there was a little black girl in the front row made me tear up. She said, if Nickelodeon was to acquire my comic book series and turn it into a cartoon, she would watch it. And that just goes to prove that representation really, really matters, right? So it's still, it's still in demand in the comic book, in the comic book space. Um, I think that if there are independent artists that you know want to move forward and getting their comic books done, especially if they feature diverse characters, by all means, yes, please, please push. Because even though we're seeing an in, an increase in diverse characters in this space, um, it's still not where it needs to be. Because even when you look at Marvel, I mean, Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was established in what, 2008, I believe, didn't Iron Man and Incredible Hulk come out in 2008, I think. It's now 2023. And we're just now starting to see black and brown characters take a prominent role. What people tend to forget is, yes, Anthony Mackie is the new Captain America now. So Captain America now is a black man. New Captain America movie comes out, I think, next year, I believe. So that's great. I'm happy about that. But at the end of the day, Anthony Mackie was Falcon and he was a black superhero that served as a sidekick ultimately to Chris Evans version of Captain America. All right, Monica Rambeau, whom I love, played by Tiana Paris, who's gonna get an expanded role in the second Captain Marvel movie. Ultimately, she was a supporting character in WandaVision. Don Cheadle, who plays War Machine, black character who I think is awesome. At the end of the day, he was a sidekick to Iron Man. So when Marvel first started their cinematic universe, it was great to see that representation, but at the end of the day, the black characters were supporting characters at the end of the day, you know? So, and that's like, uh, is that how you see us? You know, so we're just now starting to get to a point where more and more black and brown characters are starting to take those leading roles and they're commanding their own movies and they're commanding their own series and more and more black and brown audiences are pushing for that. And so when I remember when Black Panther came out and stop me if I'm going on a tangent, cause like I said, I'm a blurred, I can talk about this all day, but when Black Panther came <laughs> out in 2018, there were a lot of think pieces that were written on it saying, oh my gosh, how did this movie cross a billion dollars so fast. And I'm just like, guys, it is not that hard. Like you have, you have a demographic that has been starved of content in this medium for so long. It should not be rocket science to know why black people showed up in droves to support 
Black Panther, all right? It should not be rocket science, it's rocket science to know that Angela Bassett is the first actress, the first person in a Marvel, in a Marvel property period to be nominated for an Academy Award for acting. She should have won, she should have won, so don't get me started on that, all right? But none of this stuff, none of this stuff is, it's, it's not overly complicated. Like we're, we're as black people, you know, as black and brown people, we're, we're underfed, you know? So we're, we're hungry for more, for more content. So I think that there is definitely an opportunity for independent comic book writers, independent illustrators. If they, if you have an idea, I think now is still the time to do it. You know, like push, 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 make it happen, get it in front of the right people. And I think you'd be surprised by your results. That's what's up, man. I definitely appreciate that. I got, I got, I got to ask you one final quick question. Uh, yeah, I was gonna I, say, Kayla. I, I was gonna say, I know you got one more. And just FYI, Jalen, he ain't introduced himself. He went to A and T and Norfolk State, but he and he got a master's in public policy. But he don't, he ain't say that. Go ahead, man. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just wanted to ask you real quick before I, uh, before I get off of the joint. So. Um, we know there's been a movement in uh, we there's been a movement towards uh, AI art. Have you dabbled in any of the AI art? And what are you thinking about the you know how technology is advancing in the art area and allowing people to to use art that way? You know, so I'm all you know what I'm talking about with Chat GPT and all that. Yeah, so I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Now my my skill sets are limited. <laughs> Just to be honest with you. But I, I have I have very good friends of mine that are artists and they are good when it comes to AI art and they you know they are knocking out of the park. All right. But for me, uh, I it would take me it would take me some time to even adapt and wrap my head around trying that myself. I tried one of my one of my good friends, um, Kyle Kyle Reese. All right. Kyle tried to um, get me to draw my comic book using an iPad because most writers, most illustrators now for Marvel, DC or what have you, when they illustrate these comic books, they're doing it digitally now. I tried for a day, I got like the fattest headache and was just like, yo, I gotta go back to paper and pencil because I just, I can't, like I'm not good at this. But yes, as it pertains to A&I, but yeah, I think, there, I think there's definitely gonna continue to be um, interest in it i think that you're seeing it now i mean art 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 can be consumed in in many different many, many different ways so i think it's i think it's something that some people are starting to identify with and uh i think that's going to continue to resonate with people for sure awesome man definitely appreciate that appreciate your contribution man and uh definitely keep pushing man i'm gonna be looking for your comic book man so i can't wait to get my hands on that and read that and, and thanks for for spending some time with us this sunday no problem thank you for having me yeah, and again, before I let you go, man, how can we get that comic book? <laughs> so you can uh, get the comic book by going to jaylenchristie.com, J-A-Y-L-E-N-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E.com. And then I've also been encouraging people to follow me on Instagram at the Superfly Nerd. I am constantly updating my page regarding uh, news pertaining to the comic book. So Follow me on Instagram, stay tuned to my website. Everything pertaining to Stink Bomb and the Brain Kids are found on both of those platforms. Take I'm saying time. it says volume one. Yeah. Well, that means right. we're gonna get some volume two, right. three, four, like. Right. Absolutely. Volume one is uh, the first chapter of a six part mini series. So yes, there are five additional volumes that I am currently working on. I'm currently working on volume two right now, but yes, there are, there will be five additional volumes. And then at the end of volume six, 
I plan to wrap it on up. And then depending on how I feel, maybe will there'll be a seven and an eight or a nine. But right now it's volume one of six. Yes. Wow, man. Great information. And for the brothers out here that keep their dreams in their head, they have confidence, but they may feel others may not have confidence in what their vision is. Mm-hmm. You know, being an inspirational speaker, being, uh, you know, Carlin Johnson said you basically inspired him to be a writer. So using your inspirational perspective, what can we do to propel our brothers and sisters to get out of our mental mindset and to actually do it? Because, I mean, you could have kept Stink Bomb and the, and the Brain Kids on your brain. Yeah. Now we wouldn't be talking about it right now. So what can we do as a Black community to believe in ourselves and realize our dreams and goals? I think it comes down to, uh, you know, what, what's it, iron sharpening iron, you know, like keeping each other encouraged, pushing each other and motivating each other. Um, you you indicated my my line, brother Carlin, earlier. That's my boy. Um, so Carlin and I, we actually push each other. We actually keep each other going. And the same can be said about my mother and my father and my sister and my close friends. We're, all of us are each other's accountability partner, and we all encourage each other to keep moving forward. And I do want to, like I said, I'm an honest person. I'm very transparent. So I don't ever want to portray myself as being the most competent person in the world because Lord knows I have my days where I'm just like, uh, you know, this is not going to resonate or uh, I don't think anyone's going to really care about, you know, my comic book or my short stories or like, you know, why does this matter? I have a therapist. I'd be the first person to go on record and say, I have a therapist. All right. I meet my therapist once a month <laughs> and he keeps me focused. All right. But I think it's all about, you know, getting rid of the negative talk getting rid of, you know, your haters, getting rid of self-doubt, getting rid of the pity parties, you know, and staying focused. If you have a dream, if it's something that you continue to think about every single day, then by all means, push to make your dream happen. Like, do not take no for an answer, all right? Um, There is a quote, I I believe that says, um, a dream deferred is not a dream denied, all right? So if you had that dream when you were a child, and let's say you're now 45, 55, 65, and that dream is still on your heart, like, still push to make it happen. Like, the game has changed. Like, I tell people that all the time, the game has changed. Like, there are so many resources available nowadays, resources that were not available, you know, a decade ago. So you'd be surprised at the things that you can accomplish when you really put your mind to it. I have, I have friends of mine that have, opened, like I have a friend that opened her own, her own um, catering business. I have another friend of mine that opened his own gymnasium. Um, My sister has her own nonprofit. Um, I have a friend of mine that uh, she is a model. She went to a modeling audition 10 years ago. She was told no. Um, She let that deter her. She has a model. She, She stopped modeling. And then this year she decided to get back into it. First audition she went to, she was told yes, you know, so it's like all about overcoming those obstacles and not getting in your own way. Because we, I feel like as, I feel like as Black people, we have enough obstacles staged against us already, all right? There are already, you know, there are already odds against us. There are already people, you know, trying to say no to us, you know, so it's like, don't say no to yourself. Like, at the end of the day, continue to push yourself, all right? And I think that there is, I think there's power in that. I think there's power in, you know, in your, um, in your mentality, all right? If you tell yourself yes every single day, if you can advocate for yourself, oh God, you've already won half the battle as far as I'm concerned. So I think it's all about having that positive mindset and keeping each other encouraged. I think that's the secret. Oh man, I got, I got like really got, I got two more. I told you the Allen Iverson's out, the Bethel yeah. version. All right, Please, so ask, for, the, for the parents now, mm-hmm. 
because we talked about, you know, the brothers and sisters believing in themselves, but for the parents that say, listen, you're going to write a comic book. No, I'm not paying for you to go to a school to do that. I'm not paying for that. I'm paying for you to be a doctor, to be a lawyer. I'm paying for this. But I feel like, you know, a lot of parents don't realize these children's hobbies can be careers as well. So, you know, the fact that, I mean, you're making money off your comic book. Like, what do you want to say to the parents that say, listen, kid, you need to do something that I know makes money, not what you think. Yeah. yeah. Or as a hobby. So what I will say to that is, you know, sometimes you have to remind yourself that your parents aren't perfect. You know, we all make mistakes. And sometimes when it comes to parents, you know, they're just doing what their parents taught them or what they may perceive to be right. But yes, I do believe that you have to invest in your child. So I was very, very blessed. I was very blessed in that, um, you know, my parents, they invested in me, you know. Um, So when I was a kid, my parents were always bringing home paper and crayons and coloring pencils, you know, to invest in me, to keep me encouraged regarding illustrating and doing things of that nature. And even though they pushed me, you know, and to, you know, they encouraged me rather to, to pursue journalism, at the end of the day, they still knew Jalen wants to be a comic book artist. Jalen wants to go into illustration, all right? They may not have seen how it was going to happen, but what they recognized was, okay, Jalen's writing comic books. He's writing short stories about superheroes. So we'll harness that writing ability and we'll just utilize it for journalism at first before he moves on to, you know, the comic book. So that was their, that was their strategy. All right. Um, but to the parents that are outright saying no to their children, well, that's not right. Because to your point, Corey, yes, yes. Like I published my comic book last month. And yeah, I'm making money off of it. Like I've been really, really blessed, man. So if you have a child that has a dream, whatever that vision may be, like invest in it, encourage them to pursue it because there could be a profit in that. Yeah, I think as a parent, you want to you want to keep your child encouraged. You don't want to squash their dreams. You don't want to tell them no. You know, my, when I was a kid, my parents used to tell my sister and I, you can be anything that you want to be. Um, and they still say that to me today. My mom and dad were the first individuals to buy my comic book when it came out. Um, my mom is currently reading it now. Um, I'm not really sure she's really into comic books and superheroes, but she's trying her hardest to comprehend what I, what I wrote and illustrated. She's calling me every other day and she's like, okay, this villain's doing what now? What's, what's his motivation again? So yeah, I think that, um, I think investing in your children, A, helps them to realize their full potential, but B, you know, th- they'll value you more as they get older. You, you don't want your child to become an adult and then the storyline is now my mom and dad didn't believe in me and then they end up getting rich and then you don't get a percentage of any of their revenue like you don't want that story do you so yeah always invest in your kids always invest in your kids for sure oh man oh man i've been, i'm not gonna lie man i've had a good time with you today man did you enjoy yourself yeah. on black men sundays brother listen i enjoyed myself tremendously all right and don't let this be the last time that I meet with all of you. So if you want me to come back, I will come back. It's not a problem. This is great. Oh, really? Because it's not like you ducked me for like the last year, though. Okay, so let's talk about that. Since you want to talk about it, let's talk about it, all right? So I was under the impression... Hi, listeners. This is Jalen talking, all right? So I was under the impression, and for good reason, might I add, that this podcast dealt specifically with wealth and finance. So when I was initially invited to be on the podcast, I was like, I'm not really a money person. Like I'm not good with wealth. You know, I can, I can 
I can name someone else that would be a good guest, such as my line brother Carlin, for example, who is a finance expert. All right. But when it came to me, I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm a finance person. Now, if you have a public relations or communications question, I'm your boy. But a finance person, I don't know if I can give advice on finance. So that's that's what it was, guys. That's what it was. Yeah, you know, you know, I had to mess with you on that because, you know, <laughs> what I like to do with Black Men Sundays, we talk about generational wealth, finance and business. But what I like to do is each show is catered, just like how that how that sweater is catered to you right now. Yes. I made sure the show was catered to you. So, you know, even though in your mind you weren't really talking about generational wealth, you were because I get a lot of brothers, like I said, in the business arena that have. Listen, I'm trying to get the media. I'm trying to get outlets to follow to come cover what I'm doing that are influencers like yourself as well. Because see, you know, old school, you think media, okay, you get CBS, ABC, Fox coming out, but now you have them plus right. the influencers. So if there's yeah. a, if there's someone in your city and this, and this guy has a, has a verified on his Instagram right. and he's doing numbers, you right. invite him as well because that's an influencer. So that's why I was able to see the value in you today. Plus you're a speaker as well. So I knew you were going to bring your humor. You're going to bring that personality. You're going to bring the personality out of me. Plus I went to FAMU too. So, and my man on here, Kalal, he went to A&T. So I, you know, I had to show him how these FAMU boys get down, you know. Right. Absolutely. All day, all day. <laughs> yeah. Day. Yeah, man. Yeah. So what's so, up, man? I had a great time in interviewing you today. Last question, man. Did you enjoy yourself on Black Men Sundays? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was great. Bring me back. Bring me back. Oh, yeah. We definitely going to do that. We definitely going to do that. So, hey, man, Jalen Christie, thanks for coming on Black Men Sundays, brother. I appreciate you. You came highly recommended. Enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy the rest of your week, brother. Peace. It's a Black Man Sunday.